Chapter Fourteen, Episode the First of Tartarin of Tarascon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tartarin of Tarascon by Alphonse Daudet. Episode the First in Tarascon. Chapter Fourteen. The Port of Marseille. All aboard! All aboard! Upon the first of December, eighteen, in clear, brilliant, splendid weather, under a south winter sun, the startled inhabitants of Marseilles beheld a Turk come down the Canabiere, or their Regent Street. A Turk, a regular Turk, never had such a one been seen, and yet heaven knows there is no lack of Turks at Marseilles. The Turk in question. Have I any necessity of telling you it was the great Tartarin of Tarascon? waddled among the quays, followed by his gun-cases, medicine-chest, and tinned comestibles, to reach the landing-stage of the Tuache Company, and the mail-steamer the Zouave, which was to transport him over the sea. With his ears still ringing with the home applause, intoxicated by the glare of the heavens and the reek of the sea, Tartarin fairly beamed as he stepped out with a lofty head, and between his guns on his shoulders, looked with all his eyes upon that wondrous, dazzling harbour of Marseilles which he saw for the first time. The poor fellow believed he was dreaming. He fancied his name was Sinbad the Sailor, and that he was roaming in one of those fantastic cities abundant in the Arabian Nights. As far as I could reach, there spread a forest of masts and spars, criss-crossing in every way. Flags of all countries floated, English, American, Russian, Swedish, Greek, and Tunisian. The vessels lay alongside the wharves. I head on, so that their bowsprits stuck up out over the strand like rows of bayonets. Over it, too, sprawled the mermaids, goddesses, madonnas, and other figureheads in carved and painted wood which gave names to the ships, all worn by sea-water, split, mildewed, and dripping. Ever and anon, between the hulls, a patch of harbour like watered silk splashed with oil. In the intervals of the yards and booms, what seemed swarms of flies prettily spotted the blue sky. These were the ship-boys, hailing one another in all languages. On the water-side, amidst thick green or black rivulets coming down from the soap-factories, loaded with oil and soda, bustled a mass of custom-house officers, messengers, porters, and truckmen, with their bogies, or trolleys, drawn by Corsican ponies. There were shops selling quaint articles, smoky shanties where sailors were cooking their own queer messes, dealers in pipes, monkeys, parrots, ropes, sailcloth, fanciful curios, amongst which were mingled higgledy-piggledy, old culverins, huge gilded lanterns, worn-out pulley-blocks, rusty flukeless anchors, chafed cordage, battered speaking-trumpets, and marine-glasses almost contemporary with the ark. Sellers of mussels and clams squatted beside their heaps of shellfish and yawped their goods. Seamen rolled by with tar-pots, smoking soup-bowls, and big baskets full of cuttlefish, from which they went to wash the ink in the milky waters of the fountains. Everywhere a prodigious collection of all kinds of goods—silks, minerals, wood in stacks, lead in pigs, clothes, sugars, caruba wood-logs, colza seed, licorice sticks, sugar-canes. The east and west, cheek by jowl, even to pyramids of Dutch cheeses, which the Genoese were dying red by contact with their hands. Yonder was the corn-market, 
porters discharging sacks down the chutes of lofty elevators upon the pier, and loose grain rolling as a golden torrent through a blonde dust. Men in red skull-caps were sifting it as they caught it in large asses-skin sieves, and loading it upon carts which took their millward way, followed by a regiment of women and youngsters with wisps and gleaning-baskets. Farther on, the dry docks, where large vessels were laid low on their sides till their yards dipped in the water. They were singed with thorn-bushes to free them of seaweed. There rose an odor of pitch, and the deafening clatter of the sheathers coppering the bottoms with broad sheets of yellow metal. At Wiles, a gap in between the masts, in which Tartarin could see the haven mouth, where the vessels came and went, a British frigate off for Malta, dainty and thoroughly washed down, with the officer in primrose gloves, or a large home-port brig, hauling out in the midst of uproar and oaths, whilst the fat captain, in a high silk hat and frock-coat, ordered the operations in Provençal dialect. Other craft were making forth under all sail, and still farther out, more were slowly looming up in the sunshine as if they were sailing in the air. All the time a frightful riot, the rumbling of carts, the haul-all, haul-away of the shipmen, oaths, songs, steamboat whistles, the bugles and drums in Forts Saint-Jean and Saint-Nicolas, the bells of the Major, the Acoule, and St. Victor, with the mistral atop of all, catching up the noises and clamor, and rolling them up together with a furious shaking, till confounded with its own voice, which intoned a mad, wild, heroic melody like a grand charging tune, one that filled hearers with a longing to be off, and the farther the better, a craving for wings. It was to the sound of this splendid blast that the intrepid Tartarin Tarasco of Tarascon embarked for the land of lions. End of chapter 14 of episode 1 End of episode the 1st